We are. We are. We are cultivate. 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 We are cultivate. Hello and welcome to Yield Crime, where we discuss the funny, strange, and obscure crimes of yesteryear. I'm your host, Lindsay Valenti, and with me is my sister and co-host, Maddie Stengel. Hello. Hi. Feels like forever since I've seen you. I know. It's almost like I didn't see you in person twice today. I know. It was so nice. I wanted to tell you about it this morning. I was mm. like, I want to see you again. Here, 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 here. <laughs> but I didn't. I yeah. It. I had no idea. Mm-hmm. So, good job. Good surprise. It was a good surprise. Mm-hmm. In case our listeners are like, WTF, we... What's the surprise? <laughs> we were celebrating early my 40th birthday. So, mm-hmm. at the time that this comes out, I will already be 40. My 40th mm-hmm. birthday is August 14th, which this year just so happens to be a Monday. Which is so fitting for a 40th birthday. Yeah. It's like, go to work, you idiot. Yeah. <laughs> this is the rest of your life, fuckface. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, thanks. You made it this far. Now keep going. <laughs> keep on trucking, bitch. <laughs> So this week, we are going to be discussing the Casket Girls of New Orleans. Nice. I'm excited. Information was pulled from the following sources. A 2023 Girl Museum article, 2022 Locations of Lore article by A.P. Sylvia, 2022 The Vintage News article by Charlotte Bond, 2021 New Orleans Legendary Walking Tours article, 2021 Random Times article by Leo S., 2021 Very Local article by Michael DeMocker, 2020 Folklore Thursday article by Randy Samuelson-Brown, 2020 All That's Interesting article by Andrew Milne, 2018 Go NOLA article by Liz Ganesh-Smith, another 2018 Go NOLA article by Edward Branley. They just doubled up over there at Go NOLA that year. It was too interesting. Too good. Go City Tours. Terrebonne Parish Library article. I think I said that right. I don't know. It looked French, so I'm sorry if I didn't. (laughs) Women in the American Story, New York Historical Society, and Wikipedia. Nice. And links to all these articles will be included in the show notes. Got something you want to say? Shoot us an email over at yieldcrimepodcast at gmail.com. We'd love to hear your story ideas, see any gifts you send our way, or if you just want to say hello, we're pretty friendly. Speaking of friendly, if you'd like to have real-time conversations with us, consider joining our Discord over at the Cultivate Network. You can chat with us over at the Old Crimers Cubby, or catch up with any of the other great creators that are part of the Cultivate family of podcasts. Just click the link in our show notes, or over on our link tree to get started today. Like many things tied to NOLA, much of its history is steeped in legend. You'll see what I mean as we go into it, but I hope you'll understand when I say that in this case, fact is not nearly as upsetting as the fiction. I mean, it's still upsetting, but not 
It's not nearly as dr- drama, drama, traumatizing. Traumatizing. Tra- traumatized. Traumatizing. <laughs> traumatizing. Dramatic and traumatizing. Dramatic. Yeah. You know, it's a new word. Dramatic and traumatizing. Dramatizing. There you go. In the early 1700s, the French had established a new colony in North America, Louisiana. Mm-hmm. Founded by Pierre Lumoine de Berry, it was established by 82 men as a strategic port city in New France. This sounds all well and good, except for the fact that there was a bit of a, shall we say, population problem. Mm. And I don't mean there were too many. I mean there were plenty of men, but women, not so much. Yeah. Yeah. I it's a total want... sausage fest. I wouldn't want to go to there. <laughs> <laughs> that's very much that I'm in danger <laughs> <laughs> all these men were on boats together for months and months and months and I'm the first woman they've seen yeah not safe originally in 1699 Pierre wrote to King Louis XIV and asked if his men could marry the local women so the first nations people uh, do they want that <laughs> did you ask them did you ask the king first when the king was like sure it sounded like a great idea mm. but turned out to be a disaster when the men tried to convert their native brides into good french ladies yeah that's not that's not inherent Mm-mm. as a as a human being especially no. because <laughs> french they weren't great <laughs> they yeah. were very clean i don't know what kind of ladies they're yeah. hoping for I'm, pr- I'm pretty sure the first nation ladies were probably cleaner than the men let's be honest probably they're probably cleaner than most europeans probably so jean baptiste lumoine du bienville the future governor of louisiana wrote a letter to the members of the french government asking if they would send quote good virgin women end quote of marriageable age to their newest territory. No. The answer is no. Kind of gross. <laughs> that sounds horrible. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Very pre-incel before incel sort of thing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We had we developed we made land for you, so you need to give us good women. Mm-hmm. <laughs> good clean women. For making the babies and stuff. For making babies, making all of the babies. Oh, the good French Catholic babies. This wasn't the first occasion of a French colony requesting women from the motherland. The first instance took place in 1663 in the Canadian colony of New France, which was located in present-day Quebec. See, maybe, but also very cold. And I feel like the French weren't accustomed to cold. Mm -hmm. And since French ladies can't wear pants, (laughs) no. (laughs) I can't wear pants. I'm not going to go. For some reason, I'm just picturing them wearing like bearskin leggings underneath their coats. That's what I'm thinking too. (laughs) It's like fur leggings. Before they wear the fur leggings. This is so nice. It's a little bo peep. (laughs) They were actually wearing wool. (laughs) The intendant of New France, a man named Jean Talon, wrote to King Louis XIV asking for women. 
He agreed, and it wasn't long before women were being recruited and submitted to a strict screening process. They had to be between the ages of 12 and 25. Gross. Healthy. And provide a letter from their parish priests recommending them for the journey. I hate all of that. Mm-hmm. And the fact that, like, people wanted to do it. Yeah. Ladies. Don't send your, tw- don't send your 12-year-old. Yeah. Please. This group of young women were referred to as Filles du Roi, or the King's Daughters. And over the course of the next decade, between 1663 and 1673, 770 to 850 French women would traverse across the Atlantic to Canada. Each was provided with a dowry, and their passage was paid for by the crown. So, if you couldn't afford to keep your daughters at home, this was a good way to potentially give them a better life. Yes. Great. Nothing like desperation. Yep. Mm-hmm. Nothing like desperate times to create horrible situations. Yep. That doesn't mean that all of them made it. Yeah. Some passed away over the course of the journey. Mm-hmm. Some didn't even get on the boat, changing their mind at the last second. Yeah, which, I would be one of them. Yeah, be which like, girl I just, same. I just got money. Thank you. Bye. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Peace out. Let's go. I'm going to go to Perry. Yeah, let's just go somewhere else. I can mm-hmm. learn German. I hear Italy's nice. <laughs> Greece? Greece because Some were even sent back to France after not meeting the requirements of a fille du roi, whatever that means. I couldn't find out what that meant. I just This is horrible, but I just think of like too ugly. <laughs> <laughs> it's like what's What's the strip club in Minneapolis? Oh, Deja Vu, Hundreds of Beautiful Girls and Two Ugly Ones. <laughs> yeah. yeah, the ones they sent back were the ones where they're like, yeah, we can do better. Yeah. This one has too many freckles. This, this one, one has doesn't one. have enough teeth. This one's eyes are too gross. <laughs> this one can't read. Rumors of the women being, let's just say, ladies of the night, started Mm. soon after. Of course, why not? Mm -hmm. Of the women that were sent to live in New France, only one woman was ever formally charged as being a sex worker. Yeah, because I wonder if they didn't, they didn't start out that way, weren't really planning on it. Mm Mm-hmm. Catherine Guy Choulon had been forced to turn to sex work after her Canadian husband decided to pack his bags and move back to France, abandoning her and their two children. Yeah. She she wasn't going to be able to do fur trading, I'm assuming? Yep. That's a man's work. Hmm. The Catholic priests of the region, nevertheless, worried about the lack of wives, imploring the French government that something had to be done. Hmm. Hmm. There was also a fear that if war broke out between the French and the natives, Hmm. that the colonists who had relations with the First Nation women would turn against their own. They'd they'd be siding with the Mm in-laws. Honestly, I probably would, too. Yeah. (laughs) I bet they were cooler, but their food was better. (laughs) After sharing their concerns, they received a letter from the Crown that read in part as follows. Quote, his Majesty sends by that ship 20 girls to be married to the Canadians and others who have begun habitations at 
Maubile, in order that this colony can firmly establish itself. Each of these girls was raised in virtue and piety, and know how to work, which will render them useful in the colony by showing the Indian girls what they can do, for this there being no point in sending other than a virtue known and without reproach, end quote. I just, I, there are so many problems. Yeah. 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 We gave you, we gave you live-in slaves. Mm-hmm. That will teach the, the native girls how to also be slaves. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Both in society and in home. Mm-hmm. I'm sorry. Your wives, right? Yeah. Different Duh. name. Different yeah. name. The next group of women were sent to the French colony of... Mobile or mobile, mm-hmm. arriving on August 1st, 1704, at the behest of Sieur Bienville. He, his men, and soldiers had sailed down the Mississippi River from New France, quote, chasing through the woods in pursuit of Indian mistresses, end quote. Horrific. And as the leader of their ragtag group of explorers, he was desperate to provide female companions for his men. This was just one of the three encampments they established along the Mississippi. There was Mobile, or Mobile, Alabama, Mm -hmm. Biloxi, Mississippi, and New Orleans, Louisiana. I feel so bad for those women. Yeah. Literally hunted. Yeah. (sighs) Okay. King Louis XIV agreed to Bienville's request and sent young women aboard La Pelican, in the care of Father Henri Lavant, three additional priests, and the Sisters of Charity. The women were of marriageable age, between 14 and 19, and had been handpicked by the Bishop of Quebec, Jean-Baptiste du Lacroix du Chouvrier du Saint-Vailly, ensuring they were virgins. So he, they had, like, his stamp of approval. Ah, horrific. Well, and you know what's, what's horrible, too, is they... Probably had a much different way of life back home. And I bet it was quite the culture shock to go to a newly established colony full of feral men. Mm-hmm. And an entire culture of indigenous people that were either forced to acclimate or trying to acclimate mm-hmm. for survival. Mm-hmm. That would be horrific. That would be, <laughs> be like wanting to go to Disneyland. And it had been closed for like 20 years. <laughs> We're just looking at the, the wreckage. <laughs> the, like the nacho cheese that's been cased in the back. Yeah, it's like going from French society to like the zombie apocalypse. Yeah. I mean, like everything's just starting. Like your uh, fine china probably mm-hmm. was not really a viable option there. Not so useful. Yet. Unfortunately, the merchant ship they were traveling on made a pit stop in Havana, where many of the women contracted yellow fever and passed away. Let's expose them to, to new diseases they haven't experienced yet. Mm-hmm. After being on a ship for like, what, a month? Two months? Three months. Three months, yeah. Mm-hmm. Could you just imagine being on a boat for three months? Yeah. Yeah, I would have been dead, for sure. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Nope. nope. So of the women who were sent over, only 23 survived, along with two nuns from the Sisters of Charity. 
what was meant to be a three-month journey ended up being five. They get lost? I think they probably were quarantined in Havana while they had yellow fever. Yeah. And it probably took a long time to get from Havana. Because mm-hmm. I don't know how much of a detour it was to go to Havana. Mm-hmm. Horrific. Yeah. And then the PTSD you would have, honestly, from mm-hmm. that entire experience. And then you're like, here's your new husband. And you're like, what? Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm sorry, what? Who? I can't say what those women hope to find upon reaching Mobile. Mm. But I'm sure it wasn't. I'm just going to call it Mobile. Mobile. Because, mm-hmm. yeah. Mobile, Ab- Alabama. Mobile, Alabama. But I'm sure it wasn't what they got. The homes they entered upon their marriages were, quote, crude shacks with dirt floors and deer skins stretched over the windows, end quote, yep. with their husbands not much better, as many of them were described as, quote, unquote, half wild. Yeah. Yep. Mm-hmm. They were very far removed from the society they were born in, mm-hmm. and they had to survive. So that's their new normal. So them asking for fine ladies uh, was not not a good idea mm-hmm. for anybody involved. Because I'm sure the feral men would get just as frustrated. Yep. Fun fact. The first batch that had been sent over back in the late 1600s were granted the ability to nullify their marriages and return to France if they determined that their husbands weren't a good fit for them. Did they all do that? Because I would. <laughs> like, nope. This courtesy wouldn't be granted to any of the women sent over to the Louisiana Territory. Mm. However, the Pelican girls, as they would go on to be named, were allowed to choose their own husbands. Mm. So there's that. Yeah. But, like, you had to choose one. Yeah. Life for these women wasn't great. <laughs> what? <laughs> I know. Supreze. <laughs> right. On the one hand, many of the men they married were fur trappers and traders, so they would be away from home for long stretches of time collecting the merchandise they needed to sell. This left the women to run the house and raise children mainly by themselves, sometimes while their husbands were off entertaining their native paramours. I'm sure. Were they really paramours or were they uh, forced second, third wives? Yeah. Yeah. And the homes themselves were part of the problem. With the men frequently gone, they didn't see the need in building or even maintaining proper homes. Oh, yeah, because they're not there. Yeah. And virtually none of them had done anything as domestic as planting vegetable gardens for their wives. Mm, No, they don't need to eat outside out of mind. Yep. Literally. (laughs) With no vegetables to eat, the women mainly subsisted on acorns just to survive. Now that is a Stepford wife diet I have not heard of. Mm-hmm. Sure, it would do wonders for horrific body types, indigestion mm-hmm. issues. Real good for the constitution. Yeah, I, I bet children would not survive then Mm-mm. if that's what women were eating and what they were feeding their children. I mean, I could see like grinding it up for like flour, but even still, like. But if you have a shack. Yeah, how do you get the supplies to like. Bread? Yeah, exactly. And that was one of the main parts of their diet back in France was bread. Not to mention these women were also grossly underprepared for the hot and humid climate. 
Yeah. Which was vastly different from that of France. Yeah. Isn't France normally pretty, like, mild? Yeah. Don't they, like, barely get under 40 degrees and barely go above, like, 80, 90? I mean, not anymore, but yeah. Mm -hmm. I think it's normally pretty, like, temperate climate. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. And they would have packed as if they were living in France. Yeah. They were duped into thinking that it would be the same. Mm Mm-hmm. I can't imagine the women in Canada, you know? Yeah. Well, and not only that, but it's like, so that's, you're doing this shock to your body as far as like Mm -hmm. your environment. Of course, they were susceptible to diseases like yellow Mm -hmm. fever and malaria and things like that because they had no defense for that. Their bodies Mm -hmm. weren't accustomed to that type of climate. Nope. And they weren't probably exposed to that type of insect. Mm Mm-hmm. Eventually, the women had enough of their living conditions and staged a petticoat rebellion, essentially refusing their husbands, quote-unquote, bed and board, until their homes were improved and more food was grown. Unsurprisingly, things worked, and the men didn't seem to mind, except for Governor Bionville. He sounds fun. He thought they were spoiled. Mm. Yeah, heaven forbid you have food. And shelter that can shelter you yeah. really from the elements. Basic needs, yeah. Hmm. That sounds like most politicians. Yeah, yep. you don't need basic needs. What do you wanna what do you want to enjoy your life? Screw you. What is this? <laughs> <Amy>. The Ritz? <laughs> Get a job. <laughs> Why don't you work for it? Why this brings us back to <laughs> New Orleans and the territory of Louisiana. Bionville was now governor and once more sent a note of desperate appeal to the King of France asking for more women. His request wasn't simply because of the girls, however. As I mentioned, yellow fever swept through the settlement, necessitating more women to help repopulate the area. No. <laughs> this is if a I, bad if idea. If I was the king, I'd be like, okay, so... You're telling me a bunch of people died and you want me to bring more women that might die from the same thing again. Yeah. No. And like for me to pay for it. Mm -hmm. You want me to pay for more people to die. Yep. No. No. (laughs) I say good day. I'd be a great king. No. (laughs) (laughs) Governor Bionville thought the last batch of women that had been brought to Mobile and later... Biloxi in 1719 were just spoiled and felt like the Mm. demands they made on his men were unfair and ridiculous. So in his next letter, he asked for women that were from the country and used to hard work while still being, you know, virgins. I mean, to be fair, that makes more sense. Like you should have women that have some semblance of an idea of what that life is like. Yeah. And not like debutantes. Yeah. <laughs> who have never touched grass. Yeah. What is this? Ever? Like, <laughs> it's like, what is this dirt? It's like Jack Skellington. What's this? What's this? <laughs> right. Only they're like horrified and dying of yellow fever. <laughs> they're not a skeleton yet. Um, <laughs> but they will be. Wait until you eat the acorns. Yeah. See, he specifically chose the words good and virtuous. Because there were, in fact, women in New Orleans, but not the kind that you would marry. Mm. 
according to Bienville, his men were enjoying illicit relations with First Nation women and those of African descent, both enslaved and free. And although he admitted to himself that his men were quote-unquote scum, he hoped that by having good women marry them, that would change. Oh, sure. Because we know throughout history that just like many Disney movies, all you need is is just a bright-eyed, bushy-tailed lady who's never seen a boy before to change a just villainous man into a virtuous one. Mm-hmm. Yep. Works every time. Tale is old as time. So mm-hmm. many books have been written about it. Yep. And that's why marriages last to this yep. day. Yeah. Mm-hmm. People change for the better. Mm-hmm. No matter what, both sides. Incredible. Totes. Totes. The, we actually don't need Dr. Phil anymore. We figured it out. <laughs> he can retire. Well, the king agreed. But word of the rough living conditions and unfair treatment of the previous women who had been sent over had reached France. So it probably won't surprise you to learn that ladies weren't lining up to head across the Atlantic. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. I would be, I would just be chilling in Greece, having a great time still. Yep. Yep. Said no once, gonna say no again, bye. Mm-hmm. Sorry, I'm a thorn back at this point. I'm no longer marriageable. Oh, no. My eggs have <laughs> rotted in my body. <laughs> my uterus fell out. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I buried it. It mm-hmm. made great, it's great for my squash in my mm-hmm. garden. Thus, on January 8th, 1721, 88 women landed near Mobile Bay via the ship La Berline, but they weren't exactly what Bionville was expecting. Oh, they came out with guns. (laughs) (laughs) Even better. They cleansed the air. Between 1712 and 1721, the French sent around 7,000 women who were taken from prisons, mental hospitals, orphanages, and off the streets. Oh, hell yeah. Hell yeah. Of that number, only 1,300 actually made it alive to the colonies, which really sucks. That does suck. Because that's a lot that died. That's, that's, wow, that's like 90%. But, you know, the ones that were left over had to have been super scrappy. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. They're just climbing on top of the bodies and they're like, let's go. (laughs) I hear there's acorns. (laughs) I love that shit. Point me to those trees. I'll shake the tree myself. For a better comparison, between 1719 and 1721 alone, 258 women arrived in Louisiana, and of that number, 29 had been taken from orphanages, 35 were from poor houses, and the remaining 194 had been convicted criminals from La Foi, the famous French prison. Fucking amazing. They're like, we're out of prison. We can do whatever we want now. (laughs) I can just think of it like, come here, big boy. (laughs) I've been practicing my shanking skills this whole journey. (laughs) I can shave you real close. (laughs) You're real good at stabbing things. (laughs) Years later, Bionville tried again. But as you can imagine, expectations were just a little bit tainted. (laughs) What? Why? <laughs> why? It worked yeah, so well the last, last time. That was great. What are you talking about? Everyone wins. 
1728, a group of women arrived via the La Nouvelle Orléans, stepping foot on solid land for the first time in six months. Six. Six months. months. Double the journey at this point. Mm -hmm. Yeah. The women were given the name casket girls, thanks to the cassettes or small trunks that they brought with them to the colony. I was just going to say, is it because they're white? <laughs> like super ghost white because they've been on a boat with like no proper sun? They're just like vampire women. Just emerge. They just have T-Rex arms. Like, no. We cramped. all got scurvy. <laughs> they're just cramped and their bones hurt. They're just trying Where's my big strong man? <laughs> Y'all got some orange juice. <laughs> Where's my muscle yarn paper boy? <laughs> so these trunks were small, averaging nine and a half inches high, 22 and a half inches long, and 10 inches wide. So roughly the size of like an overnight bag today. I was just going to say like a carry-on. Yeah. As you can imagine, they weren't able to pack much that would allow them to start life anew in the colony. Could you imagine six months with just a carry-on? Oh, my God. No Target, no Walmart, no, no dollar store, no Bucky's. Mm -mm. Bucky's would be down there, I think. And they certainly weren't big enough to hold a body, if you can see where this is going. The rumors surrounding the women started as soon as people got a good look at them. They had abnormally pale skin. Yes! <laughs> So you were, yeah, you were a lot closer than you thought. Skin that would burn and blister not long after being exposed to the hot, humid Louisiana air. Yeah, because they were under a deck in a boat for six months. Yep. Referred to as fiala couchette, or women with suitcases, they were sent to the Sisters of the Ursuline Convent on Rouchart, while they waited to be matched with a suitable husband, taking their caskets with them. The girls, according to one myth, slept on the third floor of the convent, where the windows and doors were sealed shut. Like they were used to. Yep. Trying to acclimate. The story goes that when the nuns went to retrieve the women's meager belongings from their chests, all were empty, leading the nuns to believe that the young ladies weren't who or what they claimed to be. They're vampires. <laughs> <laughs> and now they're in the house of God. <laughs> oh no. Thus, the women were not allowed to leave the third floor, and all entrances to it had to be bolted shut, and the nails that kept the windows shut were blessed by the Pope because, you know, they were obviously vampires. Oh my God. <laughs> These poor women. They're only blistering because they haven't seen sun in six months. The first time they see it, they're like, ow, that kind of hurts. And then they go up to this place and they're like, okay, well, this isn't so bad, you know? And then they get nailed, sealed shut, just like left to die. I'm assuming they didn't like put food through the window or anything. I'm sure they fed them. I don't okay. think they were just like, we're going to steal you in this room. <laughs> they think they're vampires or are they just like... Pushing sheep's blood in there? Like, what's happening? <laughs> like, what? Here's your milkshakes, ladies. And they're like, what the fuck is this? <laughs> like, do you have bread? Why is it all goat's blood? I don't understand. 
get some cream cheese. So let's ignore the fact that Pope John Paul II, who was the first pope to ever visit New Orleans, which didn't happen until 1987. But, you know, sure, holy nails. <laughs> we'll pretend that it's not entirely possible their possessions were purposefully stored on a floor that was locked up to prevent theft. But, you know, vampires. Right, right. vampires. Yes. Logical next step. Also, we need to ignore the fact that the convent wasn't actually completed until 1753, mm. you know, 25 years after they actually arrived. So see, see the power of the vampires. <laughs> they imprisoned themselves in a building <laughs> that had not yet been created. And that's what was so scary, because they were just floating on what would be the third floor. <laughs> just in the air blistering. And like, where's my where's my my suitcase? Where's my casket? <laughs> and they're just all trapped in this invisible floor. And now there's nails. Nobody knows Holy what's nails. happening. Holy nails sealing them in this invisible prison of emotion. Yep. If you look at it from the woman's perspective, I highly doubt that they had much say in the matter. French officials viewed the last few batches of women as ones, quote, without futures, end quote. Damn. With the youngest of the lot being only 12 years old. It cool. gets worse. Of course it does. Apparently, this young woman, the 12-year-old, had supposedly been working in the sex trade in Paris from the age of six prior to her being sent to New Orleans. So traded one horrible life for the next. Mm-hmm. Great. And this young woman's story isn't even the worst of them. Of course not. Many of the women had been sent over at their family's insistence, wanting to be rid of them. And the trip across the Atlantic was no picnic by any means. These ladies were transported chained together in the ship's hold for several months. You know, ladies, virtuous, wonderful, super polite ladies of society. Mm -hmm. Getting chained together in a boat for six months. We've never heard that story before. No, I don't think that's ever happened prior to this, mm -mm. actually. Mm -mm. Many of the women found themselves walking down the aisle six months after landing in the Louisiana Territory, while others weren't so lucky. The local men of Vieux-Carré disrespected the women, with some ending up in unwanted marriages where they were mistreated. Others that couldn't be matched turned to sex work in order to survive. Yep. Because now they're trapped in a place where there's no options but that. Yep. Mm -hmm. Or death. Yep. Meanwhile, they did what they could to make the best of a bad situation. A group of Ursuline nuns from, oh, I didn't translate it, Rouen, France, had built a school, infirmary, and orphanage in 1727 in New Orleans so that they okay. arrived two years before the casket girls did. Okay. And many of the casket women attended lessons there prior to their marriages to learn how to be proper wives and mothers. Of course, yeah. Because, you know, some of these people were like 14 yeah, and you know, being vampires, it's been, you know, a thousand years since they've seen a man, so... Yep, it's been a hot second. Need a refresher, I think. Yep. The first convent was built years later in 1734, with the building being replaced in 1751. The old Ursuline convent holds the distinction of being the oldest building in the Mississippi Valley. 
and still stands today after surviving two fires that struck the French Quarter in 1788 and 1794. Okay, so maybe maybe it was vampire magic <laughs> that kept that going that whole time. <laughs> Surviving Hurricane Katrina, like, mm-hmm. okay. The nuns there also opened their doors to those afflicted with yellow fever, as well as any injured during the War of 1812 and the Civil War, so even if it doesn't have vampires, you know that shit is haunted as fuck. It's super haunted. Like, I bet you just, so like, haunted. you're, like, two blocks away and you're like, ooh, something feels gross. <laughs> <laughs> I can feel the ghost from here. <laughs> Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with me. There's <laughs> the soldier like, is that a vampire child? Am I dead too? Despite the territory's less-than-ideal start, the ploy to grow the colonies worked, and by 1803, one in five of the people living in northwestern Louisiana were descendants of the Casket Girls. If we want to jump back into the whole, they were vampires legend, the shutters on the third floor of 1100 Chartres Street are Mm -hmm. still shut, but locals claim to have seen them fly open on their own. Hmm. This spawned the legend that the vampires were escaping from their prison to prey on the people of the French Quarter. Hmm. You know, for their one meal a millennia? I don't know. Mm -hmm. This legend found a resurgence in 1978 when a pair of paranormal investigators, who weren't allowed to stay on the convent grounds, Hmm. snuck over the walls one night to conduct an investigation. Yeah, why not? The following morning, their mangled corpses were discovered drained of blood. Maybe you shouldn't trespass. (laughs) (laughs) It was the nuns, not the (laughs) The, vampires. It was the nuns. They're very good at their job. Mm -hmm. In a 2018 Go Nola article, Liz Ganesh-Smith spoke with an Ursuline ambassador and asked about the infamous third floor windows. The truth? Quote, I'm told those are fully functional hurricane shutters that weren't installed until a century after the casket girl's arrival, end quote. Yeah, it's uh, reinforced with vampire strength. And but, holy nails. Yes. So that's how that's how it survived all yep. of the hurricanes. Pope John Paul was like, I brought you some holy nails from Rome. Mm-hmm. Use these wisely, but only on the third floor. <laughs> just in case we also need to drain two people of blood. <laughs> you know, just paint the walls. Keep them happy. Just casually. Mm. And that's the story of the Casket Girls of New Orleans. That's awesome. Well, it's not. It's horrific. And yeah, it's awful. But hist- I'm sorry, but being a woman in history, it trash. Yeah. <laughs> Very few moments of, of like genuine greatness. Yeah. It's mostly just trash. It's mostly all bad. (laughs) So this was, you know, par for the course. Yep. I do love that period in the middle where the king was just like, you know what? Fuck all of you. And he's just like, I'm just going to send you guys all the women that we don't want here anymore. (laughs) I'm just going to send them all your way. You want better women? (laughs) I'll give you the best we have. (laughs) Like these ones that are going to beat the living shit out of you right, if you treat right. them wrong. Right. If you I'm look sure, at them funny. Sure you have the best men of France. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. If you're interested in ad-free content, 
consider supporting us with a one-time donation either over on Buy Me A Coffee or our Venmo page, both of which are in our link tree and in the show notes. If you'd like early ad-free content, not to mention some bonus material, become a member of our Patreon today for as low as a dollar a month. What is Cause of Crime? Cause of Crime is a true crime podcast that focuses on the cause of each crime. We focus on the killers. We focus on the disappearances. We focus on the murderers. We focus on parties that could be responsible. We dive into theories. We dive into different things that could have happened. But we also give our opinions. And we banter. And we talk about it. And we give different points of view because we're different people. Our primary focus at Cause of Crime is to focus on the victims and their stories and keep them alive. Keep their stories going. Keep their memories going. If they're long gone from this world or we just don't even know what happened to them, we want to keep them talked about. And that is our singular goal. My name is Tracy and I'm the primary host and creator of Cause of Crime. I created this podcast for this reason and one reason only, to keep talking about people that need to be talked about to keep doing this and using my voice to make sure I'm making some kind of difference. So if you'd like to join us and dissect each cause of crime with us, you are more than welcome to do so. My co-hosts are Dan and Chris, and they alternate each week. You can check us out on all podcasting platforms at 11 a.m. on every Wicked Wednesday, and you can join the Abnormals. It's fun here. Join us, won't you? This week's podcast plug is the Cause of Crime podcast. Cause of Crime is a true crime podcast with Trace as the primary host. Hear about true crime that focus on providing all the info on each case while they add their own opinions and whimsical witty banter. They are part of the Darkcast Network, and we will have a link to their show in the show notes. Nice. And this week's listener question comes from our friend Carrie Ann, and she wants to know if you were trapped in the past, like medieval times, would you endure their cures or would you show how to make proper medication? Yeah, it depends on how swiftly you want to die, because (laughs) as a woman, if I were to endure endure their cures, I would die because they didn't work. And if I tried showing them the proper way to do it, and it works, I'd be a witch <laughs> and would die horrifically some by like torture or, you know, fire, or beheading Ducking or something. Or something, yeah. something horrific because I did something good that was too good that a man didn't invent yet. Mm-hmm. So I feel like those are still bad options. <laughs> I don't know which one's better. Maybe to just try to endure theirs and not have not be like tortured to death. Unless like it was like bloodletting or something like that. I don't know. I think I would probably I agree with everything you just said. Yeah. One thousand <laughs> percent. I think I would choose the latter, where I would try to show them how to fix something knowing that they're probably going to think I'm a witch. In which case, I might just be like, you know what? I'm just going to jump in this body of water. I don't know how to swim anyway, and I'm just going to let this happen. 
because yeah. I'd rather yeah. just do it on my own terms than be like, chop my head off or like light me on fire or like choke me to death and then light me on fire. Like yeah. depending on where in the world this is happening I mean, in the medieval times. Like ideally you would be in a weird, you know, offshoot village and you meet a man that's not trash and maybe if you tell him how to fix it and make it seem like it's his idea you won't be accused of being a witch and die but so it's like a shadow a shadow government (laughs) it's a only shadow medicine yeah sham medicine (laughs) i like it yeah if you I'm just picturing trick. myself as like the Wizard of Oz. Don't look, don't look behind <laughs> don't the curtain. Look behind the curtain, yeah. <laughs> like I am a man telling you how to do medicine because of my penis. Because <laughs> I have very big penis. <laughs> You're healed. I'm so viral. <laughs> the biggest viral. of penises. Big a viral, just a big viral man. Mm-hmm. Healing the world. And then viral when they ask, healer. And then when they ask where where he is, you'd be like, oh, no, he died off this super rocky cliff that's right outside the house. Oh, no, I'm going to. Bye. (laughs) (laughs) You'll never take me alive. (laughs) (laughs) You're welcome for (laughs) band-aids. All right. On that note, what's something good you'd like to share? Mm. Honestly, seeing you this week. That was really nice. Thanks. We we went and we got coffee and I had a delicious coffee and a nice bagel and then I got to see you again for dinner and I got to see your family and that was really nice. It was just nice to get out and see you. Mm-hmm. you know? That's my good thing. That's my good thing. Willie thinks me being home is a good thing because he's like, yeah. <laughs> Let's see. I'm going to say my good thing is... I kind of treated myself for my birthday a little Yay, bit. What'd you do? Like, I bought myself a new case for my Kindle. I have a super, super old Kindle. I have a generation mm-hmm. four basic Kindle. Like nice. it's it's old. I bought I got yeah. it. I got it for a sweet deal. It was like twenty five bucks on eBay, like unopened. Nice. And I was like, sold. Deal. So I bought a new case for it. I bought new straps for my galaxy watch nice you're just re-accessorizing mm-hmm. and i ordered a birthday pack from keep it wild so it's a hydro flask and a baseball cap and like a fanny pack and stickers and some other fun things so i was like cool i'm gonna get these fun things there you go All right, on that note, we'll start shutting her down. All right. Looking for more content? You can find us online at yieldcrimepodcast.com. If you'd like to see pictures from this week's episode, not to mention bonus content and funny memes, make sure to follow us on Twitter at yieldcrimepod and on Facebook and Instagram at yieldcrimepodcast. On TikTok? Of course you are. Follow us at yieldcrimepodcast. A great way to support the show if you want to help out but can't do so financially is to leave us a five-star rating and review on Apple Podcasts, Podchaser, Good Pods, Podcast Addict. You can do it on Audible. I'm sure there are some other players that I'm unaware of. If you want a playlist of all our episodes on YouTube, 
Click the link in our show notes or in our link tree and subscribe today for not only a list of our full catalog, but a separate list as well, just of our Can You Crack the Cramp Word segments. And on that note, as always, I'm Lindsay. And I'm Madison. And we'll see you next time with another tale as old as crime.